We are so blessed this morning to welcome among us Alex Capitan. Alex is a lay community minister, educator, editor, consultant, and activist. A trans and queer lifelong Unitarian Universalist, Alex does interfaith LGBTQ plus work and supports congregations in becoming places of radical welcome for all. Z is the co-founder of the Transforming Hearts Collective, the co-leader of the program Trans Inclusion in Congregations, and the founder of Radical Copy Editor, an anti-oppressive language project. And Alex is also someone I am proud to call beloved friend. Someone who has created and nurtured a chosen family, that proverbial village which in turn nurtures present and future generations, allowing us all to experience the spirit of love, the power of intentional radical connections, the courage to bring our whole selves to the table, and when the table is not big enough, to conspire in community to create a new one, more expansive, more healing, more beautiful. In Alex's way of life, I find strength, hope, and joy. And for that ministry, I am deeply grateful. Welcome. Bienvenide, Alex. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Reverend Dr. Maria Christina. And thank you all so much for being here. I know we have at least one visitor. I have never been here before. Is there anyone else who's here for maybe the first or second time? Yay! Awesome! And if there's people online, probably there are who are joining us for maybe the first or second time today. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I'm so glad that you all chose this morning to try out this wonderful, wonderful community and that you'll come back. Um, so I've been a Unitarian Universalist for more than 30 years, ever since my parents joined a UU church outside Milwaukee, Wisconsin, when I was six. My dad is the son and grandson of Presbyterian ministers, and my mom was raised a devout atheist in small town Wisconsin. The family joke is that when they became UU, my dad's whole family said, Oh no, he's lost religion. And my mom's whole family said, Oh no, she's found religion. <laughs> Which I really think says it all about this quirky little faith of ours. Yes. I think of my parents as the quintessential Unitarian Universalists. They both came from previous spiritual paths that didn't fit them. They are white and middle class and in their late sixties and they both have higher degrees. They are teachers and artists. My dad was an environmentalist way before it was cool. They listen to NPR and read the New York Times and own two cars and a house in a suburb. They're politically active and vote Democrat. Sound familiar? I'm so grateful that my parents joined my home church. It was a wonderful place to grow up. I was taught to honor my own truth. I came to believe that living my faith meant working to make a world a better place and fighting oppression. 
And as a queer and trans person, I was able to grow up without any sense that these deep truths about myself were at odds with my faith. And yet, allowing me to exist and not actively making it harder for me to be myself in the world was not enough for me to feel a sense of unconditional welcome and belonging in my church as I grew into adulthood. Nor have I ever felt that way in any of the dozens of UU churches I've been to since. I've never felt like any of them were places where I could fully get my spiritual needs met. Why? I was raised here. This is my religion. You would think that those of us who are raised UU would be the ones who would feel most at home in our congregations, right? The truth is really hard to face. The vast majority of those of us who are raised in a UU church leave. You see, my parents' church is not my church. Why? Well, before I answer that question, I want to tell you a little more about my parents. I love them dearly. They certainly aren't perfect, but I've never questioned their love for me. And they have given me so much, a wonderful childhood, a college education, and acceptance that has grown into appreciation for who I am, even though I'm not the person they were expecting when they raised me. When I was growing up, my parents' world was a reflection of themselves. Their friends were all people like them, people their age, their race, their class. Our church was a reflection of my parents' world as well. As the quintessential UUs, they fit right in. It was easy for them to feel a sense of total belonging, almost like our church had been made precisely with them in mind. They've actually spoken about this. As my sister and I grew older, it became clear that our parents expected our lives to look like theirs without ever being actively aware of it. They had so many unconscious, unconscious assumptions that we would get master's degrees, own houses, be upwardly mobile, whatever that means, that we would have friends and partners of particular races, classes, abilities, genders. Of course, they had these assumptions. They wanted the best for us based on what their own lives and cultural contexts had taught them the best is. But my life and my sister's life don't look anything like our parents' lives. Our people are not their people. My sister married a wonderful man from Nicaragua who immigrated to Milwaukee to be with her. Spanish is the primary language spoken in their home. Theirs is a multiracial, multilingual, multinational community of friends and a huge, vibrant, extended Nicaraguan family. My community is also a multiracial, multilingual one, a community of queer and trans people of many faiths, many ages, many abilities and disabilities. Like my brother-in-law, my partner is also working class. He's a generation older than me and queer and trans and in recovery and a long-term survivor of AIDS. Our given and chosen family bridges almost every facet of difference that I can imagine. It's hard for any parent to let go of the framed picture that grows in their mind's eye of who their child's, what their child's life will be like and who their child will be. 
it was particularly hard for my parents to grasp that their experience of the world does not translate to the lives of their children. That in order to be in real relationship with us, they had to let go of all of the things that life had taught them about who and what is most valuable, what success looks like, what the best for their children is, and get curious about what our worlds are like, what our needs are, what brings us life. At a certain point, I had to say, look, I want a real relationship with you, and I know you want a real relationship with me, and in order for that to happen, I need you to stop making assumptions and start asking questions. I need you to be curious about my life and how it's different from yours and what a difference those differences make. I need you to respect my truths. If you can't do this, we can still talk and see each other, but we're going to be people who talk about the weather. Because we are so different, real relationship takes more than just being friendly to each other. It takes actively engaging with our differences and doing the hard work of unlearning our assumptions. You know, my parents didn't have great relationships with their own parents. So they didn't have good models for what it would be like to have good relationships with their adult children themselves. I think Unitarian Universalism is the same way. If the quintessential UU, like my parents, came here from somewhere else, they might not have good models for how to be a religion whose children don't leave. Did you catch that? If most UUs have fled churches where they didn't fit, they might not know how to create a religious community where people who are different from them don't leave. Thank you for that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in person. There's like actual room for amens to happen. This is great. It's not that our churches aren't welcoming, right? Of course they are. But a warm smile and not being told I'm going to hell isn't enough, right? It's not a, (laughs) thank you. It takes a It takes a little bit more than that for me to want to come back, for my spiritual needs to get met. I need more than friendliness. I need radical welcome. So what do I mean when I say radical welcome? Well, there's this really powerful model I want to introduce with to you and share with you. It comes from Reverend Reverend Canon Stephanie Spellers, who's a leader in the Episcopal Church. And she talks about three ways that welcome shows up in congregations that are actively seeking to be welcoming. Invitation, inclusion, and radical welcome. Invitation, that first type of welcome, is represented by the open door. Everyone's welcome. Come on in. But there's an invisible asterisk after that phrase. All are welcome if... You leave your sins, like your sexuality, at the door, right? All are welcome if you don't need a wheelchair ramp or closed captions or a fragrance-free environment. All are welcome if you are able to make a financial pledge. The expectation of the inviting congregation is that everyone who comes in will fit the existing norms for who we are and how we do things here. (laughs) 
Yeah. It wants to grow, but only with people who are like us. Make sense? Probably all of us have experienced an environment like this at some point. Inclusion is represented by a desire for diversity and surface level attempts to acknowledge people who are different from our norm. So we might march in pride, but we don't have a gender neutral bathroom. We might put up a Black Lives Matter banner, but on Sundays we only use music and readings by white people. We might fill our website with images of children, but when parents with young kids attend service, they get disapproving looks when their kids make noise. The expectation of the inclusive congregation is that if we add on top of the way we do things here, in small ways, people who are different from our norm will feel at home. But we put the burden on them to fit in. The inclusive congregation wants to be a place where lots of different people can find a home, but it doesn't acknowledge what a difference our differences make. Radical welcome, that third type of welcome, that's the practice of being transformed by relationships across lines of difference. Every time a new person visits or a new child is born into this church, those new people change our definition of us. We constantly practice curiosity about the different perspectives and needs within and outside of our church and how they can influence the very core of who we are and how we do things here. The expectation of the radically welcoming congregation is that we will constantly be made new through encounters with each other. Everyone contributes to the way things are here. The radically welcoming congregation is truly diverse. It expects and values change and transformation. So invitation says, I'm having a dinner party. Everyone's welcome. Inclusion says, you are invited to my dinner party. I'm making lots of pasta. I hope you come. Radical welcome says, hey, I'm thinking of having a dinner party. When are you free? What do you like to eat? Are you vegetarian or gluten intolerant? Do you use chopsticks? Where should we gather? Do you feel the difference? The difference is relationship. Now, the temptation is to see this model as three stages. And to be fully transparent with you, I thought it was when I first encountered it from Reverend Canon Stephanie Spellers. But that's not how it works. You see, inviting congregations think Welcome equals friendliness. So as long as they perceive themselves to be friendly, if folks don't feel welcome, they must not belong here. Inclusive congregations think welcome equals surface level efforts to acknowledge difference. So as long as there's a rainbow flag or a ramp or a once a year gospel service, if folks don't feel welcome, that's their fault. They don't appreciate what we are doing for them, yeah? So invitation and inclusion are actually barriers to radical welcome. To the radically welcoming congregation, welcome means transformation. It means constantly seeking to expand our definition of us and remove the barriers that some of us face. The only time I've felt radical welcome unconditional affirmation, and deep spiritual connection 
in UU spaces was when I was a teenager. I love that. Squeak. Things were hard as a teen. All right. I didn't yet have language to describe who I was to myself or anyone else. I struggled with depression and anxiety. You, you, youth space was my saving grace. In those spaces, I truly felt the saving power of this faith. As teens, when we worshiped, we co-created it. We worshiped in the round and oral tradition songs were the bedrock. We got close or held hands. We sang rounds and we made up harmonies and no one ever knew when the song would end. It just ended when it was done. It was so embodied. It wasn't about thinking. It was about feeling and being together. Can you imagine what it was like for me to supposedly grow up and be expected to worship with the adults, with their rows of chairs and their hierarchical leadership and their orders of service and their classical music? No shade. Invitation says, come worship with us, the adults, exactly the way we do. Inclusion says, once a year, we invite the youth to lead a service and they, and we let them put the chairs in a circle. <laughs> Radical Welcome says, what would it mean if both cultures, youth culture and adult culture, informed how we worshiped? What would change? How would we be changed? I need Radical Welcome. Because my Unitarian Universalism isn't the same as my parents' Unitarian Universalism. You see, being queer and trans and raised UU means my cultural context is different from the culture of the average UU church. My flavor of Unitarian Universalism is different than the central flavor of the average UU church. My identities affect everything for me. My understanding of family, my relationship to social justice, the ways I build community, my spiritual practices, my spiritual needs, my spiritual gifts. I can't truly feel at home without having these truths affirmed. And my friends... I am haunted. I am kept awake at night by the question, who would we be? What would Unitarian Universalism look like today? How would it be practiced differently if all the thousands and thousands of young people, queer and trans people, people of color, poor and working class people, disabled people, immigrants, indigenous people, neurodivergent people who have been drawn to this religion or raised here had stayed. Instead of the vast majority of all of us leaving, disappointed and disheartened because there was no room for our flavors of Unitarian Universalism. No room for us to inform who this faith is and how it is practiced. What I need you to understand is that drawing a circle that's big enough for my Unitarian Universalism and my parents' Unitarian Universalism, a circle that's big enough for all of the flavors of Unitarian Universalism present here at East Shore is possible. I need you to understand that this isn't about hating on NPR or classical music. 
It's about adding new radio bands and new rhythms. It's about creating a mosaic. You know how a mosaic is made, right? From broken pieces. The invitation isn't to throw away my parents' UUism. The invitation is to transform it, to be made new by encounters with different flavors of Unitarian Universalism. I am deeply honored to get to spend this time with you this morning at the invitation of my dear friend, Reverend Dr. Maria Christina. I know that you know how lucky you are that Reverend Maria Christina said yes. And I know that you wouldn't have unanimously called her to be your minister if this community wasn't interested in change, wasn't interested in experiencing new flavors of Unitarian Universalism. Am I right? All right. Awesome. Like, don't leave me hanging, y'all. Okay. I know that you've been grappling with what it means to not just change, but be changed for a while now. Yeah? These last few years have been an incredible time of, of upheaval of the way we do things here, right? I mean, here you are doing multi-platform worship. This is amazing. You haven't just changed. You have transformed in so many ways. Faced with so much change, I am sure a lot of you are yearning for the comfort and familiarity of the way we do things here, right? And there are bound to be people here who are excited by the optics of having someone as different as Reverend Maria Christina as your minister, but who might be decidedly less excited when she starts bringing her authentic flavors of Unitarian Universalism forward. Look, I don't mind adding a little spice, but I thought we were still having pasta. Right? There's nothing wrong with being drawn to what is comfortable, especially right now. Yeah? But I need you to know that not only do I need transformation, you need transformation. I couldn't believe more strongly that the point of being here, the purpose of being part of a faith community, is to be changed. Not to be comfy or to rest assured that we are the good ones, but to figure out how to be in relationship how to be in community, how to be in covenant across lines of deep difference. We deeply need spaces like this one to be places where we can unlearn the judgments and assumptions and biases that have soaked into us from the outside world and practice healing the divisions that are tearing our communities and our world and our very souls apart because that is the only way we will survive as individuals, as a community, as a species. My parents and I have embraced the challenge of being in real relationship. It hasn't been easy. It has not been comfortable. But we've had to get really real and vulnerable with each other and understand each other's struggles. And it's worth it. We are being changed. 
You see, when you're in relationship across lines of difference, it expands your world. This is what radical welcome requires of us. It requires us to change and be changed in the process. It requires us not to tolerate or accept people who are different from us, but celebrate and love people who are different from us and allow that love to transform us. It requires us to take a leap of faith and risk letting go of things we thought we knew, things that feel comfortable and familiar, in order to become something so much more. My friends, radical welcome is a tall order. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. And in order to heal our world and ourselves, it's necessary. I firmly believe this is the place where we can practice this. This is the place where we can grow, open our hearts, and be changed. So I hope I can count on you in joining me in this spiritual practice of radical welcome, because it is truly one of the most holy, heart-transforming, and world-changing things that we can do together. Amen. Ashe. Aho, and blessed be.